I want to go ahead and, uh, you know, I, I really appreciated what, what Bob had to say in the reading of the text. Uh, the idea in the brotherhood to, um, to do something, to live out these, these statements in, from Yeshua's words. Uh, you know, we always have to keep in mind that as followers of Messiah Yeshua, even as we studied last week, that we are God's workmanship, created to do good works. And, and as I said last week, we are this amazing, beautiful, unique, perfect piece of art. That's what God has created in us through Messiah Yeshua. Uh, and, and that should really encourage us, because God don't make no junk, which is an old phrase from, I think, the 70s. All right? But, but he has made us perfect in Messiah. Not because of who we are but in Messiah. So what I want to do this morning, though, is, uh, is really uh, take us back into the uh, scriptures and give us a challenge on the qualifications of service. Uh, if we really want to serve God and live for Him and do something for Him through our lives, God has His expectations. You've got to be qualified for service. And uh, I was going to read an illustration, but I won't. I won't take the time to do that as I fish for my glasses, because I will put them on, because I can't read the text in the Pew Bibles anymore. So uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, we are on page 916. Page 916. Uh, one of the things that is going on today in America, and some of you are well aware of this uh, because of your positions in work, is there's actually a problem finding qualified workers in some fields. Not retail, okay? Although it's hard to find good people everywhere, but in certain positions. There's a whole article I was reading uh, for construction workers uh, in certain fields. Uh, they can't find them. I know in computers and technology, there's a limitation as to who's really available in some of those fields. I know that in the rabbit, we can't hardly find anybody, you know, even in our union, especially among young people who want to go into the rabbit. So, uh, but you know what? The issue isn't because there aren't people. The issue is qualifications for service. I mean, I may decide I want to be a scientist just like Robert Kernstock. But if I applied for Robert's job, I couldn't get the position. I'm not qualified. It's not that I'm dumb. I mean, I may not be as smart as Robert is, but I'm not dumb. I don't have the education and the experience. I couldn't do the job. Or Abe's job in, in uh, buying uranium or one of the things that he does is Exelon. Or, uh, or what Jim has done in his life, you know, being a cook. I mean, I know how to make omelets my way, but I couldn't be a, a cook, really. I couldn't be a chef making film and getting into the film industry. You know, I think that would be a lot of fun. I'm not qualified to serve, okay? I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm only really good at a couple of things. Uh, we all have gifts and abilities, and we all have talents. We have to remember that if we want to really serve God with our lives, we really want to make a difference for Him. We have to be sure that we are qualified to serve according to his expectations. And so this morning what I want us to do is we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. We're going to talk about the example we see in Messiah Yeshua 
in his life as well as see the challenge he has for us and try to keep this very, very practical. So Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, it says, Now Yeshua was going around all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out workers into his harvest field. A couple of things I want to talk about in regards to Yeshua's example. So if you're looking on the notes on the back of the announcement sheet, it's point 1A. First thing I want us to point out is Yeshua went out to the people where they were at. Yeshua went out to where the people were at. It says in the text, verse 35, Now Yeshua was going around all the towns and villages. Sometimes, you know, I mean, let's, sometimes we get kind of caught up in this mentality that people want help, they need to come find me. <laughs> okay. We have to remember that really Yeshua's example is that we go out to where the people are. I think about this when it comes to our desire as a synagogue to impact we, we really have to remember that to, to really impact our world, it's outside this building. It's a whole different kind of thing we do among one another inside this place. But we have to go out to where people are at. I remember Moish Rosen used to tell the story that when he was on staff with Chosen People or American Board or whatever it was back in the 50s and 60s, that they literally he had an office in Manhattan and the expectation was for people... Jewish people who are curious about Jesus to make an appointment to come into the office to meet with them. I mean, part of his whole philosophy of standing on a street corner with a t-shirt handing out flyers was because it was in reaction to all of that. Okay? So, when we think about wanting to let God use us, we have to remember that it's going to be outside with where the people are at. Right? That could be inside your home because you invited people in. But it's about where the people are at. It's not just you by yourself alone. I suppose today it could also be with you and your computer to some extent. But I still say beyond that, it's really pressing the, uh, pressing the flesh of people where they're at. That's the example we see with Yeshua. Next point, Yeshua was teaching of the people's need for God. Verse 35b says, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Yeshua was going out to where the people were at. He was teaching the people what they needed to hear. Not what they wanted to hear, by the way. Too often, we tell people what they want to hear. Hey, honey, how do I look? You look fine. <laughs> Which means nothing whatsoever. It's neutral. Fine's neutral. It's safe. Now, what do you really think? It looks terrible. <laughs> I asked, uh, it's funny, I asked um, Robin, <clears throat> do me a favor, write some, some critiques of my message. Give me some feedback. You know, I don't ever, I get some from my wife, but Robin's pretty good with that too. So how often are we willing to hear what people have to say to us, but how often are we willing to say to people what they need to hear? Yeshua, our Messiah, told people what they needed to hear. In this situation, he was going around proclaiming the good news. It was his message he was communicating. Okay? Now remember, he was living a life as the perfect Messiah, King of Israel. Okay? So that whole issue was there. But the example is he's going out to people proclaiming his message. 
Do we make the opportunities to go out and be with people, and while we're with them, do we have an agenda to communicate with them the good news of Yeshua, the gospel, the Bessorah? We need to have that kind of an agenda with people. It, it, it doesn't have to be annoying. I'm the last person to stand up and, and say we should be annoying when we're out with people. But we need to have an agenda. I think that we need to have that burden Yeshua had, an agenda to communicate what people need to hear. All right? Doesn't all, it depends on the person. It may not always be the gospel. Maybe the good news we're talking to people is the fact that, listen, because they don't want to hear much more, that, listen, it's okay. It's okay. You know, God is, God is real. I'm praying for you. Be encouraged in some way. Maybe that's all the message we can get across to one of our friends or one of our relatives, one of our coworkers, because they're so absolutely disinterested in faith. When I see my brother Joe, who is totally godless, I only hope to communicate just a little bit of hope and good news into his life. Because to sit him down and try to walk through a path of what this is what you got to do to come into right relationship with God. He's not there yet. He's not interested in right relationship with God. He's far more messed up than that. But I have an intention, I have an agenda every time I meet with him to communicate good news. I, wanted, I want to tell him what he needs to hear, not necessarily what he wants to hear. And every once in a while, I do get a chance to talk about God a little more forcefully with my brother. The last thing we see in verse 35c, it says that Yeshua was healing every kind of disease and sickness. Yeshua was helping them with their physical needs, just like Bob is talking about. We have to remember that with some people, you know, that they have very difficult circumstances. How are we tangibly blessing them? How are we tangibly blessing them? Uh, you know, that again, there's all kinds of ways of looking at that. Uh, but, I mean, uh, you know, when you go through your life and, and trying to let God use you in the lives of people, are you, in, in your world of where you're out there, are you seeking to, to meet physical needs when those needs come up? You know, I've often talked about, even in our community through the years, you know, running into people that have just basic needs. They have real financial problems. Do we care? And if we care, are we doing something? Some of it we can't help, but can we help in whatever way we are able to? Whether that's a meal, or whether that's, you know, taking them shopping, or whether that's just popping for them in a certain situation. Are we thinking like that? Yeshua the Messiah not only focused on spiritual need. He focused on physical need too. And I believe that the reason he did the physical was to, to validate his real love and compassion for people. Take a look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Yeshua's compassion for people was endless. My compassion for people can end. <laughs> You know, yours can too, right? No matter, no matter what, we all have a limit as to how much compassion we have. Yeshua's compassion was endless. And the biggest issue he had, and his, the, really the concern he had was the lack of spiritual leadership that people had. You know, uh, there's the old phrase, you can, you can give a person a fish for a day or teach them how to fish for their life. Okay. So in one sense, Yeshua can heal people physically. Yeshua can, can uh, you know, 
teach people and tell them things they need to know. Yeshua can go out to where people were. But it's interesting that Yeshua, in his ministry, was very interested in seeing other people challenged to, to do what he was doing. Uh, you know, a lot of times people look at the rabbi or the pastor or the priest or whatever. I, I talk a lot with Anglicans, so they're all priests. Okay, So, you know, it's almost like, well, the religious person, the religious leader, it's their job, they're the functionary. <clears throat> it's really the responsibility of all followers of the Messiah, Yeshua, to seek to be spiritual leaders in the lives of others, especially those who are not believers. I know that may sound kind of strange. You may say, me, a spiritual leader? Well, in a sense, right, a spiritual guide. You know, everybody's looking for a spiritual guide today, right? Well, that's as much as like in the 70s and the 80s with the gurus. But at the same time, people are still looking for spiritual guides. Maybe in your job, maybe in your, in your uh, neighborhood or whatever, people do look at you and, and they kind of view you like a spiritual guide because they know you have a faith that's real and they don't. And they know... You say good things, you encourage them, and every once in a while talk to them about God and faith. And, and they just know you're a good person. So you become for them, in essence, a spiritual leader, even though they themselves are not followers of Messiah Yeshua. Now, I play that role in the lives of a number of unbelieving people, many of them, most of them Jews. That's not a bad thing. It's almost in fulfillment, again, of what Yeshua says here. They are helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then take a look at verse 37. Yeshua says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he may send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this, this is used, uh, you know, uh, Moody Bible Institute is going to be having a missions conference, I think, uh, this next week. And Zach's looking forward to it because he's going to catch up on homework. And I'm sure Aaron Budoff as well. But the point is they have a missions conference. And the whole point of the missions conference is get people to think about missions. To get people to think about going across the seas to a land far away and trying to impact the pagan and the aborigine and, and uh, the 1040 window and all this other stuff. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with that. And, but this verse will be used a lot in that context. But the truth of the matter is, I think it's a much more practical application. Look around us. Look, look at your cube space around the office. Look at the neighborhood. Go to the playground with the kids. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Last night, uh, Carla mentioned to me, we had a, a group of people over, and then afterwards we were, talking to, we were talking about faith. When the Messiah returns, will he find faith on the earth? Now, that's a great question. I mean, we could spend hours talking about that one. But suffice, suffice it to say, I think the challenge in that text really often for us is for us as believers in him. Do we have the faith to live out in our lives and through our lives the basics of his example? To seek to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. Do we desire, are we willing to be the, the spiritual shepherds, spiritual guides that the people around us need? It requires time, it requires intentionality, it requires maybe some of our resources... But it's what our Messiah Yeshua modeled, and it's what our Messiah Yeshua expects of all of us, not just professionals. 
not just the Zachanin, the elders, but each one of us, all the way down to little Michael Ginsburg, all of us, to let God use us in the lives of people. That's what God wants. I want to just uh, point out a couple of requirements, though, <clears throat> because this is important. First of all, and I'm just going to quote some verses because we're almost out of time here. Uh, if you look on the sheet, part of God's expectations for us have to do with our passion. We, mu- we must be people who are passionate about God. If you want to make a difference for God and serve Him in the lives of people, you have to be passionate about Him. We're not talking here passionate about law or passionate about Hebrew or passionate about traditions or theology. I always think theology, I think of Jason Raff who's passionate about theology. But but our passion has to come out of a desire to know God, a passion for God. To know God, to want to know Him, to really know what makes Him tick as a person, that relationship with Him. If you don't really care to know God and all that means, you can't serve God. You've got to want to know God, just like you want to know your best friend better and spend time with him. More so even though. If you're not willing to to really desire to be passionate about God, how in the world can we possibly be used of God in the lives of people? Deuteronomy 6.5, the Vehafta, to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. That's every bit of us. Every bit of us. That should be our desire, that every bit of us would want to love God and be passionate about Him. Second, workers need to be humble before God. Humble people. Micah chapter 6, 8 talks about the fact that we're to live humbly before our God. And really what that means, to live in such a way that we are deferring every part of our lives. We are submitted to God and His instructions, whatever that is. But also what's important is to live humbly before man. That's also important. I added that. It's not in your notes. In the book of Second Tim- or First Timothy, uh, in fact, I would say the whole book of First Timothy is all about the mentor... Telling the mentee what to do. And what was great about Timothy is Timothy submitted and lived humbly before his mentor. The biggest problem we have today, I think, in our communities as Messianic Jews, and I think this is probably just an issue in the greater body of Messiah, is submission to mentorship. I saw a great article in the Wall Street Journal, followership. Anybody else see this? Did you read it? Followership in the Wall Street Journal. Great. People that understand the value of playing a second or third, following a leader. You know, that's really what we see modeled in the biblical text. All of us need to learn how to practice that. But especially for those of you who really want to live your life for God and do something for Him, learning how to follow a leader who can help you move forward and grow and develop. Humble before God, humble before man. It's something all of us need. Remembering the four principles as I say it, when it or as I understand it, when it comes to learning uh, and, and being used of God, we have to remember always the importance of being faithful to the tasks that God calls us to, especially learning from others, available to service, to be spiritually maturing and teachable people. Again, if you want to do something useful for God, you need to be applying those principles. Third, workers need to be knowledgeable about God. Psalm 119 is all about knowing God's instruction. Do you study his text? Do you read your Bible on a daily basis? You know, we've noticed somewhat of a drop-off in the midweek. We're trying to understand what the issues are. We're going to talk about it at the synagogue board. 
Are we doing enough as a synagogue to provide solid education within this community? Are you, as a part of this community, really passionately interested in learning about God and learning about His Scripture, learning His instruction, learning all that relates to that so you can be more effective in living out your life for Him? And then finally, workers need to prioritize the spiritual development of people. You know, think about this. Yeshua, again, is compassion for the masses. I mean, you may somebody who hates crowds. <laughs> you just can't stand crowds. It's like, uh, again, uh, uh, Charlie Brown, his statement, uh, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. I can understand that sometimes. But do you have a real genuine compassion for people? Do you care about people? God's, uh, Yeshua's command to us in Matthew 28 was go and make Talmudim. Immersing them in the name of Messiah Yeshua and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. That is not just my job. That is your job. But it comes as a, because you care about people. You care about people so much you invest time in them, with them, for them. To instruct them, to encourage them, to help bring them along the way to greater Messiah-like levels of understanding and, and observance. So Messiah Yeshua has a, an example for us to follow, and he has a very clear understanding of what it means to be qualified to uh, live out his example. And so as I wrap this up and conclude, how would you describe your passion for God? Is your passion for God like 75%, 50%? I mean, the Cubs are going to play later today. How many of you will watch every second of that game? But you didn't read your scriptures today. Or yesterday. Or this week. Passion for God has to be more important than passion for anything. Alright? Besides services, what else do you do to learn about God and how much time do you spend doing it? You know, as I point out, I think Matt and I talked about this before. I mean, in the Orthodox Jewish community, there's a lot of learning that goes on. Much more than the Messianic Jewish world. The Messianic Jewish world is pretty ignorant. We don't really read our scriptures, nor do we study much, compared to the religious Jewish community, the Orthodox community. And that's to our shame. Part of it for them is this incredible culture of expectation. And some of it, too, is they're very good at providing opportunities. But do you have a desire to study and learn? Do you sin a lot? Do you think God cares if you sin? We all sin a lot. But do you care if you sin? You can't be useful for God in the lives of people. You can't be sharing a message people need to hear if you have sin in your life and you just don't care about it. You need to submit, humble yourself before God, confess your sin and seek to live a holy life. Part of our responsibility as a community is to help one another do that. And then last, but this is really critical, how much do you really care about other people? Are you kind of a self-absorbed narcissist? That's a big problem in our world. We talked about it a little bit last night. You know, we're such an, uh, a, a me generation, not even a me generation, it's an I generation now. All right? And, uh, and commitment is really hard. But do we understand our commitment toward one another? I mean, do we really understand what it means to care about one another so much that we will go out of our way regarding our interests for the benefit of someone else in this room? 
Well, we really adjust our schedules out of a desire to be an encouragement to others within our community. Something to think about. Something to consider. God is looking for people who will work for him. Who will follow the example of Messiah Yeshua. Who will go out there and will get involved in the harvest. The potential is each one of us. But we have to be qualified to serve. We have to have that passion for God. We have to have that humility. We have to desire to build our base of knowledge. And we have to prioritize people. Otherwise... We're not going to be able to serve. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for your challenge, really the example of Yeshua. God, help us to, uh, to consider our lives, to first of all be encouraged with the fact, God, that you want to use us in the lives of people. And God, I pray that we would care about one another and those not here, those who are our friends and our associates and the rest of the world, that we would care about them much more than we currently do. Use us in their lives, God, that they might come to accept the truth of who Yeshua is. And use us in the lives of one another, that we might be a place of encouragement and that between our interactions with one another, that we really encourage ourselves to more and more be in the image of our Messiah, Yeshua. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.